Hi, and welcome into this Freight Wave Now community update. Today is Tuesday, so we're talking check call, all things 3PL and brokerages. And we're talking to the Renaissance woman herself, Mary O'Connell, the woman who knows these things better than anybody. Mary, how are you doing this morning? I'm stellar, Isaiah. I'm always, it's always a good day when you start it off with Isaiah. I mean, I can't disagree with that, but I'm sure there might be some that do, mainly my mom, but we won't get into that right now. <laughs> what we will get into is talking about marketing with 3PLs and brokerages and kind of getting right into it. Marketing is really important because it's how companies can promote themselves, help get new customers. Is there a way that they can do that where they're getting the most return on their investment when it comes to marketing? Oh, absolutely. So this is something that I feel like is not necessarily talked about that often in the brokerage space um, because everybody needs marketing, but it's not really as much of a revenue driver as, you know, making a couple hundred dollars per load off margin um, out on the sales floor. So it's something that everyone has, but everyone hates to necessarily spend money on, but it's super crucial and important. So um I think that really it's um, it it is something that is kind of often overlooked or thought about as kind of like a secondary thing, like a means to an end, if you will. But there are some pretty impressive ways that you can you know make the most out of your marketing budget, even if you are a one person operation or you have a smaller marketing budget. Basically, it's about maximizing your um, your 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 presence, and uh, it doesn't have to always be you know conferences are great, but those are you know some expensive price tags and. And um, especially when it comes to other sponsorship things, but there are some things that you can do as simple as, you know, just doing some Google, some Google ads or um, some boosts on social media. And that's really important as long, but you, before you go that far, you have to know kind of what the messages you want to send and how you are going to like, how you're going to find the people that you want to, that you want to find. So kind of taking a step back and saying, okay, this is the type of, this is what we do really well. And this is what we want to broadcast to people that we do really well. So for example, if I'm someone that specializes in flatbed or anything like that, I'm going to kind of adjust some of my marketing materials to say, Hey, I'm really good at this one thing. Um, so start there. And and then we can look at some of the other things that I can offer you. So it's kind of uh, lead with your strengths. And then there's some pretty inexpensive ways that you can, you know, sell yourself and get yourself to the right people. And speaking of the inexpensive ways, what are some of the more inexpensive ways that you've seen that have worked out really well for other companies? So honestly, some of it could really just be some of that um, organic growth type of things. Like we'll see people, um, I don't know about anyone else, but I am a, I'm a sucker for those day in the life videos or the my five to nine before my nine to five or the five to nine after my nine to five. And you could do, you said a little bit of glimpse in people's lives and uh, stuff like that. But that being said, like, there's no reason that, you know, somebody on their company's social media can't do something like that. And um, I know that there's been times where I've seen someone do that. And I'm like, oh, it looks like a really cool place to work. So not only is that a free way of advertising um, your, that's a free way of advertising your kind of company as a place to work for employees, but also, you know, if enough people see it, maybe it'll get to the right, maybe it'll get to the right person at the shipper because I'm sure I'm not the only one that loves watching the day in the life videos, but in a more real sense, um, 
you know, you could start up a little blog post or do some white papers or provide some in, some niche industry research that you can then turn around and say, hey, look, I have this cute little five page thing that we've researched and typed up and maybe we put a banner ad somewhere and people can click on it and see. That's a pretty easy way to do it because, you know, you already have all this knowledge and this information. It's not too much of a strain on your resources to type it up, add a little, make it look a little bit pretty and, uh, you know, whip up a little banner ad and send it out there. And, you know, Google ads, you can do a lot with a hundred dollars. Like that'll get you pretty far. So, uh, that's a pretty low cost investment, um, versus obviously like ordering swag and going to a conference. You're looking at multiple thousands of dollars there. And a big thing about marketing is really knowing your audience, making sure that you're promoting yourself to the right people. What kind of demographics do you think that the supply chain should really focus on when it comes to their marketing for the brokers and the 3PLs in the in the space? So I think it's really, really important. Um, demographics obviously is something that everybody struggles with because in supply chain and freight brokerage, you're not necessarily looking for, you know, 20 somethings that have a certain level of, discre of discretionary income. That's not always, uh, that's a little bit easier to sort out for consumers, those type of demographics when, because, you know, when you're a 3PL or a freight broker, you know, you're looking for certain size shippers. And that's not really something that you can like, just say, hey, I want only these shippers to look at me. Um, but it's just a matter of Kinding, fi kind of finding those those events or those those places that the right people will be at. So whether it's your procurement manager, your shipping manager, or whatever that is going to be the first point of contact for you, wherever finding those places that they frequent are, that's going to be that's going to be the best place to start. Um, whether it's industry events, whether it's you know LinkedIn, that's been an in invaluable tool lately. And you know LinkedIn is free. You can pay for LinkedIn Premium if you want, but for the most part you don't need you don't need a huge amount of money to start a LinkedIn page and start adding content to the community and being seen as a knowledgeable leader in this space. So it, a lot of it just comes from consistency. So making sure that you know kind of what message you want to put out there and kind of drill down on who, what type of people you want to find and what your end goal is. So if you know that, hey, I'm a dry van shipper, but, uh, you know, we're really looking to add uh, some retailers, like some clothing retailers. Okay, well, then I maybe I'm going to go to a retail conference or maybe I'm going to, you know, start writing some blog posts about retail supply chain and try and share those on LinkedIn or any other places. It's really about sticking to what you know and your knowledge and then kind of showing yourself as an expert in that field. So um, I would say that your demographics breakdown for your um, supply chain and freight brokerage side is a little different than it typically is, but it's still very important to kind of identify those areas and, you know, show up in those places that those those people are going to be at. I want to jump back over to the spending a little bit. What would you say to a company that maybe overspends on a marketing campaign without seeing the necessary return that they were looking for? We've all been there. You know, we've all said, okay, I'm going to spend like a thousand dollars. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to this. Uh, let's just say I'm going to go to this conference. I'm going to set up a booth and I'm going to get all these leads and it's going to be an amazing time. 
Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's about the people that are there. Sometimes it's really about the environment that's that's there too. I mean, you know, when you go to events, you can always tell when some people are spending more, when it's a down market, when people are tightening their budget, they're not necessarily looking for new unknowns um, because typically unknowns come with risk. And when it's a already tight hot market or a tight market that's not really risk friendly, people aren't going to take those risks. So you'll have that. And then also maybe sometimes you'll launch like this incredible ad campaign that you have spent all this time on and all this money on and you have new graphics and videos and everything like that. And then it just falls flat. I mean, it happens. It, it, it happens. So the biggest thing that you can do is learn, capture as much data as you can say, okay, well, it worked up until this point or just straight out of the gate. It never worked. That way, you know, okay, well, this is a very expensive mistake for us to make, but we're not going to make it again. And you can start working on some other things. That's why I, I'm a sucker for starting small. I'm a sucker for, you know, trying out a couple things, figure out what works and then kind of building from what works successfully from there. Because, you know, it's not the wild, wild west of I'm sticking flyers on, on doors and anymore. Uh, we have the data behind the marketing now that we can say, okay, this is successful. This is not. Um, and I would really try to partner with people that understand the importance of that data and can also help provide you some of that feedback that you desperately need to know if your ad campaign is working to the full extent or not. All right, Mary, being the Renaissance woman that you are, I want to ask you this question and really get your advice on this. If you were starting a brand from scratch, where would you start and what would be the first thing that you would do? Um, well, that is a very daunting task. And personally, I don't know that I would ever want to start something completely from scratch because that just to me means a lot of sleepless nights. But that being said, <laughs> that being said, um, I do think that there is a, it, it, we talk about this a lot on the episode, uh, and just kind of sticking to what you know. So brag about what you're good at. And if it's not something that you're good at, don't advertise it. Like, yeah, obviously, if you're really good at moving produce, you can move drive van shipment too. Like you can you can do the other stuff, but stick with what you know, build that base from there. So for example, if you have a bunch of refrigerated freight that you specialize in, go to those refrigerated freight customers and say, hey, we have a drive van contingent that we do. You already like us for our refrigerated freight. Give me, give me five to 10 loads and just let me see, let me show you what we can do on the drive van side as well. And so that's something that you can do that doesn't even necessarily, you know, require money. You just go to your customer and say, Hey, we've got this. Um, but I think if I were to start from day one to, I would sit there and I would sit all the sales team down and say, what works? What, what verbiage works, what type of selling works, like what type of materials can I get you that will help make your job easier? Because they're out there, they're talking to customers all day long. They're talking to prospective clients. They know what to say, what not to say, kind of how to approach those subjects. So I would start with them because what I think might be a great idea might not be something that customers are even interested in hearing about. And they might have a certain phrase that I can take and then, you know, run with. So it's something that I would definitely want to start that start there, especially because I don't know why in those three PLs and freight brokerages, sales and marketing are always mad at each other. Um, uh, so I would like to fix that because those are the two that need to actually be working as closely together. And Mary, for those who tune in to Check Call, or they know that you ask some goofy questions when it comes to food. 
but most notably is a hot dog a sandwich or is cereal a soup but i have a question for mm-hmm. you today it's not as good as one of those but what is okay. the best sandwich to eat on president's day considering president's day was yesterday i'm going to say the best sandwich to eat on president's day well, I mean, I guess that would just be the best sandwich to eat any day, wouldn't it? Because I don't think there was like a specific sandwich tied to a pre- specific president. Um, and for some reason, all I'm thinking of is apples from George Washington, which is a very weird thing to think about. Um, I would have to say probably, and this is not because it's President's Day, it's just because it's a really good sandwich. I would have to say probably a Cubano, like, you know, get a little pulled pork, little ham, little pressed, mm. It's I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad. I was going to say a Reuben, so well, a little different, but the Cubano, you can't go wrong with that either. You really can't. You really can't. I think I, I have found, I believe, the best Cubano in St. Louis, but uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of debate as to what the actual best is. Well, you got to come to Chattanooga and we'll show you what a real Cubano is, okay? All righty. <laughs> Mary, thanks again for joining us. If people want to tune in to check call today, how can they do that? Yeah, just keep watching FreightWaves TV right here on YouTube. Uh, you can The new episode comes out at 1230 today. And we are joined by Sean McGillicuddy at Ty. And we are breaking down all things marketing um, from the expert himself. Harry, thanks again for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Anytime, guys. Thank you.